This is episode 31 of Hoop Swarm, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout Podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and back with me this week is my co-host, Randy Sherman. Before we get going, a big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. Right now, they're offering several options on team packs. It includes a jersey, shorts, short sleeve tee, and a long sleeve tee. Students and their parents alike will love these team packs and wearing in their team gear. To find out more about what 323 Sports can do for your sports program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. We are approaching mid-September at the time of this recording, which means for a lot of us, it's the start of the basketball season or the start is just around the corner. And with that comes the final prep on what we've been doing in the offseason, things like learning, evaluating, reevaluating, probably overthinking some things too much. But today is going to be kind of a mix of those thoughts and kind of thoughts on final preparations for the start of your upcoming season. Randy, this is something that you and I were talking just about this yesterday, but as you work with your ramp coaches, um, you know, big themes, maybe things that they're talking about. What are what are some of those themes this time of year that they're kind of thinking about? Yeah, I think I start to notice some commonalities in the topics that I'm talking about with coaches during certain times of the year. And in this time of the year, I think a lot about practice planning, because I think coaches may be trying to get a get a head start on on sort of like how they want to install or introduce new material a lot about drills so maybe they're like you know seeing a few gaps in like okay this is what we want to teach but like what are the tools that i need to to teach you know whatever whatever offense or defense we're going to use if, if it, it's like those sort of things maybe some like final touches on on that i had a coach the other day ask about um if anyone had like a checklist and I see you have preseason checklist there on the screen of like, you know, make sure I've put in all my baseline out of bounds by this date or all my zone offense by this date. So, so I think what we're seeing and the, and the, and hence the reason for today's conversation is sort of like coaches like getting their mind about getting hyper organized for when actual basketball practices start, they can kind of go right in with their plan. I know this probably varies from coach to coach and maybe it has to do partly with their personality, but um, I think it also does it comes with age too. When I was even younger than I am now, I like to still think of myself as being younger, but yeah. probably uh, towards the kind of the middle of where my coaching age is. But mm-hmm. as a younger coach, it was like, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what it would, would be like. And I just, all right, let's just get this started. And as I've gotten older planning more, um, and I know that can be kind of a negative thing. Uh, the coach that I work with, he almost, he likes to sometimes have like a master plan. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about next. Uh, did you ever have, um, um, do you have a year long plan? Do you have a six month plan? Do you have like, this is what we're doing through Christmas. How have you seen coaches go about doing stuff like that? Yeah. I think you hit on something when you said it's, it's about personality type. I, I know the coach you work for and he's a very detail oriented um person so i'm not surprised at that and then like you know i i did have like a master plan but i'm like I'm, i wasn't a big put it down on paper type person i'm still not like i i uh i can see it in my head and i know what we kind of need to do this week or today or that that was good enough for me it probably frustrated some of the people i worked with but but uh but 
I do think that like I, there's a sort of like a macro cycle of the year of, of you know, um, that's a good idea to, to be thinking about like what's a priority during certain times of year and what's what's deprioritized during other parts of the year. So, yeah, like beginning with something like that and having it down on paper is a good idea. I wasn't the best about putting it down on paper and writing it out and sharing it, but it, it always was in my head of what what our focus is at this point in time in this part of the calendar. So, um, you know, a master plan, you know, um, I do think that it's important for coaches. I have experienced a lot of coaches who maybe have a problem with, with uh, wanting to peak too early or, or like feeling like um, the beginning of practice or the first game of the year is some sort of like super strict deadline um, that that they have to get to. Um, I would say that you know I was more interested in us peaking and and having sort of like the full package when we got to like district or league play. So that that's not necessarily the first game of the year, the first practice of the year that I have to get so many things installed or introduced i try to keep that in mind like when during the season do we need to be peaking and playing our best and 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 so yeah i think a master plan is a good idea i kept sort of like a checklist of like you know here's here's what i need to make sure that i don't forget or ignore i found that again over time um, you almost get kind of having gone through it several times, you get an idea of this is where we should be. This is for us where the two semesters are kind of like our separations when the guys go home for their 10 day break mm-hmm. or however long break. And when they come back, yeah. we have a little bit of time to prepare before our, our first game, second semester. So like this is when we're going to install a big chunk of the new, whatever we want. Right. Um, it also gives you kind of a time to reassess. Uh, you may not have that long of a break or you may have a bigger break. I know at the high school level, it could end up being close to like three weeks or maybe even a month. Some they play all the way through. So you may not get that break. So, you know, again, I think that's just over time. These are when our breaks are going to be, or this is when I feel like I want to install all of this um, or install new things or whatever it is. Here's something else practical that I would suggest. Again, my head coach is the one to credit for this, but he's actually created an Excel document. I know this isn't unique to him, but it's the first one that I've seen. And each of the tabs has each of the areas of things that we want to accomplish, whether that's culture or um, the individual workouts or strength conditioning, or, you know, we even have a tab like what's, what's, what are we going to eat for our post-game meals and kind of putting down as much as you can with your program as a, as a whole. I know probably most that are watching this or thinking about it, they're thinking about like what's happening on the court, but I Mm -hmm. think we know the experienced coaches know there's so much more that goes into the success of your program. And even about like having food afterwards for the guys uh, is is super important, but it's something that thinking of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's something that like, if I think about that now, it doesn't have to consume time and brain power once it gets to the meat of the season when I should be thinking about other things. So if you haven't already done something like that, um, I can share that with you if somebody's interested that's listening to that, but kind of maybe this year, if again, put it down on paper, like you said, and I think that that can be something even that we approve upon if you have it written down and see like tangible, this is how we change from year to year, got better from year to year. So it may even be something that impacts your goal, goal setting and goal achievement. So, 
Yeah, I think a few years ago with the coaches in my program that I work with, we we got all together on a call and brainstormed a big checklist. And, um, you know, that was that was enlightening to me because I, I, I learned kind of how sort of, I don't know, disorganized is probably a word someone would mm-hmm. use, but but uh, just sort of like how they thought of things that I didn't think of or wouldn't have thought of that that could cause me stress later if I didn't have, you know, going into them up front. It could be nitpicky stuff like bus requests and things like that, 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 that we need to make sure we cover. So we're not overloaded when our concentration needs to be the highest. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, here's another one that I, I know we value, but it's the strength and conditioning component. Mm-hmm. I know everyone values it, but it looks different for each program. Sure. This is something that we actually tie back, to our previous, we talked on this on Hoops Forum several months ago about like postseason evaluations mm-hmm. and uh, tying them into kind of a four year process for a kid that comes through or however long they're in your program. I think it can be sometimes one of those things where we do postseason evaluations and it's like a standalone thing mm-hmm. and then we forget about them and kind of just move on. But we tie it back to we'll do we'll do like the NBA combine testing with our guys. Okay. Okay. And so that's connected to we set these goals for you in the postseason evaluation. Did you meet them? Um, and then that can also springboard us into what we should be working on this season. And then obviously setting us up for, again, that postseason, that cycle to start over again. So mm-hmm. we'll take a day at the beginning of the year and actually go through and do the NBA combine testing. And we couple with our exercise science program here on campus and have them tested in different areas. And uh, again, cool. it kind of goes to the whole player development component of it. So I know that's probably not something that's available to all high schools, but did you guys, did you do in, in season strength and conditioning and, and what did that look like? Absolutely. In season, preseason three. Uh, yeah. We never stopped with that. It's, it's one of the things that, that my teams were, were pretty well known for. And after my basketball coaching career ended, I, I transitioned into, some strength and conditioning, uh, performance training work um, prior to starting Radius Athletics. So something I've always been a big believer in and, and think, thought was the competitive advantage for the basketball teams I've coached. But, yeah, we tested four times a year, like um, something similar to what you're talking about with like an NBA combine style testing, NFL combine where they test certain metrics and power and strength and things like that. Uh, yeah, that that that's important part. I think if you think specifically about this time of the year, um, getting our players in shape when we don't have to taper off for games, like we don't have to uh, worry about you know our we have a game tomorrow, our legs need to be fresh. So, like really this time of the year with my teams, I was really pushing the envelope of strength and conditioning. So we, um, you know. We we might lose a game early in the year for a lot of reasons. We missed a free throw or the referee made a bad call. But like I can control that. Like what I don't want to hear is like, oh, we we ran out of steam in the fourth quarter. Like I, I can. There's plenty of reasons we might lose it or way beyond my control. Ball bounced out, you know, bad call. Like this is within the scope of our control. So we're not going to lose for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah. I think the the testing part was for me a, a way to justify the holistic athlete approach of like we're not like while while we're also going to develop basketball skills we're also going to become better athletes. 
So, yeah, super vital. I think it can tie back to your system or your style of play or your philosophy too. Everybody's a team that wants to play fast or says that, but are your players conditioned to play fast is another thing. So we've yeah. used that with our players this year. They want to play fast. We want to play fast. It's fun, but I've kind of the carrot out in front of them is well, then you need to be in conditioned by the time October 15 hits. Mm-hmm. We can't be do we can't be starting condition conditioning, serious conditioning. October fifteenth, no. when it's time for the season to start. No. So, um, you can yeah, that's that. a great point. The the style of play. I mean, like you need to be in shape to play basketball, whatever style. I think, but but you know, we played a, an aggressive style of man to man defense that required great physical stamina. So, I and if I had any time before a game, even a two three day break before a game, we, we worked pretty hard to stay fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, closely tied to that, your individual workouts. I, again, I know at the high school level, this looks different from the college level. For us, we have one or two days set aside or time set aside in addition to our practices to do individual workouts. But, you know, what are, I've taken them a step even from what we've done in the past. In the past, it's kind of been just general skill work or footwork. Or And this year, the plan is we're we're sitting down and actually what are we wanting to teach in those individual workouts? Again, tying them back to the postseason evaluations. What does this kid need to get better at? What does he need to improve on? Um, So I think it like the level of detail, you may not go to that level, but I think it's going to help our program to take the next step, the more detailed we are. So maybe getting specific like that. I know probably most of your high school coaches, at least Randy, they're thinking about like, how am I going to incorporate this into my practices because they don't have that extra time but um, yeah any thoughts with individual workouts well I mean it can vary from state to state I I I do work with a few coaches who during this portion of the year their rules sound a lot like NCAA where maybe they have three or four man workout limits they can't have any more than that then in some states they're they're nothing they're having no interaction with their players at all right now during this time of year and they don't see them again. So it can vary from state to state. In Texas, where I coach, um, we had access to our team if they weren't involved in a fall sport. You know, those athletes right away, like soon as school began in August and, and during an athletic period during our, our school day. So um, I would say during this time of year, our, our our workouts were a mix of strength and conditioning and individual workouts, but done in a team setting. Cause I did, I had everyone all at once. So, mm-hmm. so we're, we're trying to make them skill focused, get in good shape, improve our strength and conditioning, plus maybe introduce some team concepts a little bit slower than maybe some coaches do because we had an extended calendar rather than getting everybody on October 20th and having to game in two weeks or something like like so, um, it can vary, but but my thoughts on individual workouts have always been: how can we collapse time frames? Meaning, how can we get this player what they need, and also maybe introduce small components that are going to be important into the way we play. So, if like it's a little thing like if a player needs to improve their footwork, uh, how can we? do that while also maybe getting a little getting the ball down the field on how we want to play creating little microcosms of our offense or our principles that that we can sort of combine skill development into sort of some tactical teaching 
And if we can figure out a way to make it up tempo, upbeat, and we also get in shape. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's that's that that's the sort of the Venn diagram of where all those three come together: strength and conditioning, individual, and 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 uh, and team development. That's where I wanted to get. When the season gets underway, your time is limited, and often important aspects of your life get overlooked, including your health. Late nights studying film, stress levels are high, you're constantly eating out on the road, and working out becomes non-existent. The fundamentals of basketball help you win games, and the fundamental habits of exercise and nutrition will improve your health so that it doesn't take a backseat during the season. Start building healthy habits of nutrition and exercise that maximize your time and manage your stress. My name is Craig Richards, and I am an online fitness and nutrition coach. If what I've just described sounds like something you struggled with, I'm here to help. In the description of this podcast is a link to a free workout plan. All workouts are under one hour to capitalize on your time. If you'd be interested in something more personal and hands-on, a link to one of my coaching applications is in the description as well. Just as you invest time in the game of basketball and the improvement of your team, make sure you invest time in the improvement of your health. All right, next up, scouting reports. Uh, how far out in advance do you do scouting reports? I was even thinking about this last night. Yeah. You should probably go ahead and start looking at, especially our first game or our first couple of games. There's probably not going to be a lot of change unless the other team has a new coach or whatever. Right. Um, but for us, I'm, I'm thinking even this year, the, co- the team that we're playing first, they've got everybody back because of COVID. So they're going to look very similar style wise. I don't know necessarily skill wise, but style wise. Yeah. Um, but do you, uh, we, we've done in the past like divvying up scouting reports. So, you know, I have these games, other coach has these games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a head coach's perspective, that's helpful for your assistants. So I'm speaking on behalf of the assistants is to yeah. assign, you know, give them an opportunity to develop those skills. Um, but then yeah, on the flip yeah. side of that too, not burden down one coach with doing all the scouting reports. I have also found that when you when you split them up, guys take ownership of them and they're a little bit more invested. Another assistant is a little bit more invested in things because they have their game coming up yeah. um, and they want they want that respect when it comes to their games. So they're willing to give it and will become more invested. So I have felt that it, it's benefited the whole program um, and the, the staff. All, all members of the staff when you kind of scout them up. So I don't know any, any thoughts connected to those. Yeah. I mean, if you got the manpower to, to, to sort of delegate it, like you described that that's terrific. And if you feel like you have capable coaches who will give you a good report, that's, that's smart leadership for, for that to be that work to be divided. Um, I work with a lot of high school coaches who don't have that, who have to do it kind of all themselves. Fortunately, there's tools in place like huddle and, and uh, you know, synergy and things like that, that, that make this a little bit easier than it used to be back in the stone age when scouting <laughs> involved a lot of driving <laughs> for mm-hmm. me, you know, like in, mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, times like that. So I don't know. I have a little bit different approach than maybe most coaches in this regard. I didn't, I'm not a super scout really. Like I, I, I think that is something that gets a little overdone in my humble opinion, but mm-hmm. I've certainly been around coaches who 
have made a strong case that, you know, how much scouting helps their team. So I'll, I'll defer to that. If that's your experience, great, do that. Um, I tended mainly like say, just so, you know, like I tended mainly to focus on our league opponents, um, the way our playoff structures were set up in our coach, that's what really matters most and where our coach that that's what matters most. That's not to say if we had a non-district game, I didn't know what we were going to see or face and didn't do some film work or actually make some personal trips to watching a, a non-district opponent play. But I feel like if we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing to me was winning in our league and getting in a good, in a good playoff seed, um, I, I tended to winnow that work down to our league teams mostly. So I tried to get out early and see those teams play several times before our, our league, um, our, we call it district in Texas, where our district play. I wanted to know those teams intimately because that's what determines our fate, beating those teams. Non-district, sure, we wanted to win, but like those, that doesn't really factor into the equation. So, but I would encourage coaches to think of any sort of shortcut like that that works for them to make that workload manageable. You mentioned delegation, using your staff, dividing that workload up. I mentioned, okay, it's a little overwhelmingly like, do I really need to be scouting super deep on a non-district game that if we lose, it really has no bearing? I'll do, I'll do a cursory level of work, but like this is where I need to to really know these teams intimately. Um, so I tended to sort of approach it that way. But even then, I would say, um, you know, use the use your use your people, your staff to help you um, give that. Get, yeah, that's a great skill to learn is to be able to scout a team and see different teams. That if you have a young assistant coaching staff that 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 that's that's a great skill to learn to your and point I would, about to, sorry go ahead but to your point about the valuing some games over the other it's not that they don't matter but sure i even found earlier in the year our team has a hard enough time remembering and Im- Im- implementing uh what we're trying to do let alone thinking about like what the other team would do so those games are almost like bare bones this is what they do so that we have an idea yeah and even sometimes like this is I need to know certain things. They don't necessarily need to know all of the details. That's it. Like I, I tried to do my homework on my own and then tailor our practices in the leading up to a game to sort of prepare us. I don't know that I, my players need to know all that I know. And also too, I mean, basketball is like coach Popovich said one time, it's like, it's all the same stuff. Like, like, yeah. Well, we're going to defend a ball screen this way, whether it came from horns or Euro continuity or what as this is all the same stuff. There's really only a few elements that make up basketball tactics in, you know, when you boil it down. So I tried to make sure that we're just really good at executing our things and, and our defensive philosophies and, and applying it in different environments. And uh, I, I, I was never like doing walkthroughs and things like that, that a lot of coaches do and, and really believe in. And that's fine. Keep doing those. If you found success there and, and confidence there, keep doing it. But, um, you know, I would put myself more in the camp of like, this is how we going to do things no matter who we're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So generally, this is about planning and things may be adjusted. Um, and the warning is, I guess, the planning fallacy. Yeah. For those who maybe have not seen what you've written about this on Fast Model, there is an article that goes along with it. But why don't you go ahead and just kind of summarize what that is? And this is tied into those of you that have followed this podcast and this show. We have talked about the cognitive biases and the biases yeah. in general. Um, but can you tie it into that discussion that we had without maybe repeating all of that? But then also let's talk about too, how we can avoid that so that no matter whether it's our, our planning for a system that we have involved mm -hmm. um, or our workouts or even our scouting that we don't fall to that planning fallacy. Yeah. I'd say it's super related to the series we did back in the summer on the, on the, you know, different cognitive biases and, and, and fallacies and the planning fallacy simply states like if, if, if you were to ask how, how long will it take? The answer is almost always longer than you think. So we, the planning fallacy, just a simple definition would be that we tend to be, we tend to be optimist, overly optimistic about timelines. Uh, we prefer to focus on the positive. So if I, if it, you know, you're maybe excited, I want to install the I don't know, Princeton offense or something, I can do it in 10 days. And someone might look at you and go, I don't know about that. <laughs> that seems a little aggressive, you know, like, like, but you're like, no, I can do it. I can do it. And then you find out that that person probably was right in being pessimistic that, that it's going to take you longer than, than you think not that's not a knock on anyone's coaching ability or teaching ability it's just sort of like um we tend to be you know hopeful optimistic about how long things will take and how quickly players might learn or apply a new teaching you know a new a new a new skill or something like that like we we tend to be overly optimistic about that we also sometimes can be do a little magical thinking like where we think, okay, it'll take 10 days if this doesn't happen or this doesn't, but there's always something, right? Like if it'll take me five minutes to get to the, to the dinner, I'm my dinner reservation. But what if I, you know, what if there's a car accident on the road or what if there's, you know, like, so we don't, we, we need to build in a little bit of time cushion for things that sometimes we don't want to do. <laughs> Um, we don't want to build in those time cushions. So I would, I would say that this is the time of year. I get a lot of emails about, Hey, I've got your playbook on the five out offense, or, Hey, I'm interested in learning more about this. How long do you think I've got 10 practices? Do you think I can get that installed? I'm like, first, I, I really don't know that I can accurately answer that question for anyone. I mean, um, even myself, I, I, I know I'll, I'll map it out and, and plan it out and see if I can follow that plan. But, but man, today I had a guy out with a, uh, a twisted ankle or today I walked in the gym and the cheerleaders had mats all over the, you know, it's like stuff comes up, right. You know, like, um, so longer than you think. So I would encourage like, like to be conservative, in your timelines rather than um, super optimistic about how long things will take. And, and that's tough news for a coach to hear sometimes because they're like, yep, I'm going to put it in. The guys are going to get it first two reps. We're going to have it and we're going to get on to what's next. And like, yeah, sounds good. But that just wasn't my experience as a coach. I think there is a, 
another one of your coaching superpowers that you talked about, but being just like self-aware mm-hmm. and there's just so many factors, whether that's the age and maturity of your team or their ability to process your ability to teach it, how well, you know, it, um, how well you can communicate it. There are things now that I feel like I knew a lot about back then, but just because I have the experience, I can teach them better and that can affect how quickly my team learns it. Um, but there are just so many factors factors that you need to be flexible and also self-aware. So those are good. Yeah, and I, I would also say that like just simple as plain as day right here, I would say that if you're looking at like, okay, I've got this list of things I want to implement and you're, and you're thinking, oh, come man, look at this. Then, then that, that list is not a good list. It needs to be winnowed down like to, to manageable things amount of information like if you're worried about time then why are you why are we implementing 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 like you know there's there's good research that says that like we need introduction and our our players need to get their hands dirty with with new concepts and they need to sort of like almost like leave them and come back to them and for learning to really seep in and if i'm just constantly like day one of practice all this new stuff day do day two some more new stuff like i just think you're going to end up kind of like um adjusting that plan anyway so adjust it up front of like all right i think i can get this much in in 10 practices now cut that in half or more <laughs> you know just be real conservative about that this is where i think having another pair of eyes to give you feedback and to also see this is Maybe you're missing something or you're doing a good job with this. You need to go ahead and go on. So he did not ask me to do this, but this is where, especially if you're a one-man crew, maybe two people that you invest in Randy's ramp program so that he can help you along with that. So, And um, I think too that like one of the things I wrote about in that planning fallacy article was like sometimes your your assistants, the other stakeholders in your program, your, your assistant coaches or whomever, they can fall victim they can they can play into this by not wanting to be the bad guy like coach that's i don't think we can learn it that fast no one wants to be that guy everyone you know like coach walks in with this ambitious plan to to do these things in the first three practices you may be in the back of the room going yeah, i don't know about that but but like i i i think there's this this tendency yeah we can do that yeah you're right coach if we let's do it you know I think you're you you someone in the organization if it needs to be a feel free to speak up and say coach we'll, we'll get to all that but I don't know if we can let's let's take one thing at a time or let's take this most important thing and see how long that takes before we just go ahead and commit to doing this in practice number 2 yeah these are some broad topics that we probably can dig a lot deeper in and we'll probably circle back to these in the coming weeks as we prepare for the season. Before we go, we do want to let you know about something special that our sponsors over at Sideline Interactive have coming up. There is a 30-minute video demonstration webinar on how to use their scoring tables and their video display boards. Even if you don't have one of these, you should check it out because they will share with you how this can be something that can really generate excitement in your gym. It can pay for itself in a year through advertising. 
you can raise somewhere around like 10,000 or more. I have a friend of mine who's doing this right now, but to register for that, we'll include the link below this. So we'll reply with the link and include it in the description as well. By the way, if you attend this, they're going to offer you a resource of eBooks. They've got four eBooks that they're going to give you from the coaching toolbox. And then also there's a link with a 10 day virtual basketball camp um, it, it, admission to the Dr. Dish basketball camp that they have. So, uh, anybody that is able to attend, attend this. There's also, they're also doing a drawing for a hundred dollars. So there's a ton of incentives to attending this. The webinar is on September 14th at 8 PM central time. Um, really cool opportunity. So check it out. Even if right now a scores table or a scoreboard isn't in your future for you guys purchasing something like that. I appreciate all of those who watched the show today and joined us live. If you missed any part of this live show, you can go back and watch it on the Radius Athletics YouTube page, or you can listen to the audio version, but just by simply uh, searching a quick timeout podcast, you'll find the full versions there. Thanks so much for tuning in. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Forum. <laughs>